This is the Patriotic Preachers Podcast, the show that looks at American politics through the lens of a patriot and by the light of God's Word. And I'm so glad you were listening back into the Patriotic Preachers. I am Micah Farr, as always. Good to have you back. Glad you're listening in. Um, if you have any ideas for a new intro, we talk about American politics. It's important. Um, we talk about the Bible. It's important. But um, the show was started out as a almost purely political show where we would look at politics through the lens of a patriot. Obviously, that's the intro. Uh, because I'm a patriot, I love my country, I love America. Um, I don't agree with everything America does, so we look at America through the lens of a patriot, but also by the light of God's word. What is America doing? Right or wrong patriotically, right or wrong socially, my standard's there, but I should be looking at politics through the light of God's word. Um, What does God have to say about politics? But this channel has kind of taken a bit of a different role. We do talk about politics, but we talk about the Bible. We talk about uh, society. We talk about several different things. And so uh, I may, in the future, here in the upcoming days and weeks and months, hold on one second, um, decide to change up that intro. I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking to you guys about it. You don't have to know about that stuff. But anyway, I'm glad that you are back listening to the show. Um, I trust that you are doing well wherever you are. Um, I would love to hear from you guys, patrioticpreachers at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me. Um, I would like to say this before I get started. We were supposed to have a, um, a collaboration with Dr. Frank Turek that has not been able to take place yet. Um, I do have a day scheduled where we are supposed to, um, we're supposed to ha- still have the collaboration, but I haven't been in con. They, I've tried to reach out to them to see if we're still o- still okay to do it, uh, but they've not reached back out to me. So I don't know if that's going to happen. I was excited about that, but I don't know if it's going to take place now. Anyway, so that may not happen, and I apologize for that if you were excited about it. But uh, with that being said, I would love to hear from you. I would love to know who all is listening. Um, do do a couple of things for me, please. Get the podcast out there to as many people as we can. So, first of all, go to Apple Podcasts, and because that's where the plurality of our listeners uh, listen to this podcast, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave a five star review, and uh, leave leave a little comment on the review, and then. After you do that, you you may listen on Overcast. Only 2% of our listeners listen there. Um, wherever you listen, Spotify, so on and so forth, go and leave a five-star review. We'd greatly appreciate that. Number two, um, share the podcast with somebody that you love, somebody who you think would enjoy the podcast. I've made jokes in the past. We don't care if we if they'll like it or not. We would I, We would like... Listeners who are will continue to listen and be back um, to listen every week or whenever we're able to upload a show. So share it. So like it. Leave a five star review. Share it. Uh, do all the things. Go on Facebook and follow us. Type in Patriotic Preachers. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, leave a review there. That would be great. Um, and then send me an email. 
let me know or send me a Facebook message, Patriotic Preachers on Facebook or PatrioticPreachers at gmail.com, email or Facebook, and let me know um, that you're listening. Uh, let me know where you're from, um, what country you're, you know, what country you're in, uh, whether you are a missionary, whether you're a, a, a national there in that country, uh, how you found out about us, how you like the show, what you would like for us to talk about in future episodes, whether you have questions, whatever. I'd love to hear from you, and uh, I, that that would be great. So, without further ado, let's jump into the topic for this episode. Um, last time... I talked about New Age Christianity, and we looked into some of the ideas that have permeated Christianity, and it it has it's it's a, it's a New Age movement, and some things to kind of warn you about. And the very day that I, that I did that episode, I go home, I look on Facebook, and there were a couple people who are born again believers, and they were on Facebook, and they were talking about karma, and I was like, oh my goodness, I just talked about this. Uh, y'all need to go listen to the Patriotic Preachers. Um, anyway, so I got to thinking after that, what are some things um, that are true in Christianity? And then I began to think, well, there are a lot of things that are true in Christianity, but what are the essentials of Christianity? You have to believe these things to be a Christian. Now, you have to believe these things to be saved, but you have to believe these things to be a but you be a Christian. But you have to believe these things to fall under, excuse me, fall under the umbrella of what the world would consider Christianity. Also, like this, these are seven essentials. If you don't believe these things, you shouldn't consider yourself a Christian. And I always pick on the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses and so on and so forth. Uh, they don't agree with some of these things, but there are a lot of people who would call themselves Christians, who may not believe in one or more of these seven essentials that I have listed down here. Now, you don't have to... I will say this. I'm going to put this caveat before I get into the rest of this list because I may forget. You do not have to believe these things at the moment that you are saved. The only thing that you have to believe at the moment you're saved is that you're a sinner, you need a Savior... And Jesus is the only way. And you trust him. That's it. Repent of your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved. Um, so you don't have to believe necessarily all of these things. There are some of those, some on this list that are in that, that are, that you, you have to be, you have to believe to be saved. But a lot of these, you don't have to believe, I won't say a lot, but some, you don't have to believe at salvation but if you don't believe after you say that you got saved, I would I, you, you, I would check up on what you're calling salvation. I would probably ask you, what do you mean that you got saved? How did you get saved? How do you know that you're saved? I would ask about your salvation um, because these are essentials in Christianity. So, without further ado, let's start with, in no particular order, um, we'll start with um, number one, obviously, Jesus's substitutionary sacrifice. He it's a penal substitutionary sacrifice. So, 
Romans chapter number three. Let me go get uh, my Bible right here. Um, but Jesus died on the cross, as uh, as we know, he died on the cross for the sin of the world, right? And so we, as sinners, needed a savior. We were uh, we we are sinners. We need a savior. So Romans chapter three. Where am I wanting to go? Romans chapter three. Excuse me. Uh, verse number twenty three. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Jesus justified the believer through His blood by His death on the cross. And so, if you do not believe that Jesus' death was a penal substitutionary sacrifice, meaning that he took the the weight of sin. Not only did he die in your place on the cross, but he took your penalty on the cross, then you cannot claim to be a Christian. If, if we still have the penalty of our sin on us, then Jesus' death was for nothing. He died on the cross, and he took away not he, he he took not only my place on the cross physically, but he took my place on the cross, and and became sin, and took the penalty of sin away. God is a holy, just, righteous God, and he demands payment for sin. Um, sin must be paid for. For the wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. What you get for sin is death. And so you must you must pay that penalty. Or you can accept the payment for that penalty that Jesus made on the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And we are able to have that gift because Jesus died on the cross. He took your place and he was your substitute. He took the penalty. He paid it uh, on the cross with his blood. So, we believe in the penal substitutionary sacrifice. He forgave sin by paying for it. A holy God will not allow any sin to go unpaid for. I probably could have said that a better way. But he will not allow one sin to not be paid for. You must, all sin must be paid for. All sin must have consequence. And so, you can pay for your own by living your life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. You can do it yourself. You can choose to pay your own way. And every single time, a hundred times out of a hundred, if you choose to pay your own way, you'll die and go to hell. But we can accept Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice where he took the payment. He made the payment. He took the penalty. He received the wrath of God on the cross. Now, there is a teaching, and I'm I'm not going to go into this a lot, 
Um, if you have any questions about it, feel free. I may go into this on another episode. But Jesus did not die and go to hell. When he when he was on the cross and he gave up the ghost and he went to the heart of the earth, he did not go to hell to suffer. He suffered everything he was going to suffer. The entirety of the wrath of God he suffered on the cross. He became sin and he suffered the wrath of God on the cross. That's what the cross was for. Right? He suffered the penalty of sin on the cross. When he gave up the ghost and he went to the heart of the earth, he went to uh, paradise, which paradise what was in the heart of the earth. There was a gulf, uh, a gulf between paradise and hell. A gulf is just a space, right? So there was a space. Maybe it was water, maybe it was air, whatever, but there was a space between paradise and hell. And we know this through various scriptures, but we know this specifically because of Luke chapter number 16, where the rich man dies and goes to hell, and the Lazarus goes to paradise, and Abraham is able to talk back and forth to the rich man. Well, Jesus goes to paradise, and he preaches captivity captive. Why? Because except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? So you have to be saved. And so they were looking forward to Christ, but Christ had not come yet. The Messiah had not come. So the people who died by and, and went to paradise by faith, believing that the Messiah would come, believing and trusting in his substitutionary sacrifice, they went to paradise. Those who did not die believing in the Messiah, believing and trusting in his substitutionary sacrifice that would take place, they died and went to hell. And so... Um, when Jesus went to the heart of the earth, he had to go preach captivity captive. He went and preached to those who were in paradise, and he said, hey, I am that Messiah that you've been waiting on. If somebody there would not have gotten, would not have accepted Christ as the Messiah, if they would have been like, no, I don't believe it's you, I'm going to wait on somebody else, they would have went to hell. But I don't believe that happened um, for a plethora of reasons. But um, they all accept Christ, and then they go to heaven, right? So then the Bible says hell enlargeth herself, and so now hell has all this room to grow, and so um, paradise is no more. It's, hell is the only thing at the heart of, or heart of the earth now, and uh, in the center of the earth, and now uh, when we die, we go to heaven where God is, and then one day we'll live in New Jerusalem. Um Anyway, so when Christ goes to the heart of the earth, he doesn't go to hell to suffer. He goes to paradise to preach himself as the Messiah. And I think, I, and, and the Bible also says that he, that he also got the keys to death and to hell. Uh, it's part of uh, what he did. So him going and uh, getting the keys to death and hell is part of what he did. But... Um, he, I do think, like I was saying, I do think that he probably made an appearance at, at you know at the door of hell. He, he 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 walks up there and he's like, "Hey, you know, you missed out on me. I'm the one that you chose not to believe in. Here I am." It, that may be a possibility, uh, but I do know this: he did not go to hell to suffer. So, um, but we believe. Essentially, it's an essential belief. You must believe in Jesus' penal substitutionary sacrifice. If he did not take your penalty, 
then he cannot be your substitute, right? Because the debt must be paid. He paid for our sin with his blood, but he also took on our penalty for that sin. So, um, secondly, if speaking on the, the death of Christ, you must believe, it is essential, you must believe in the resurrection of Christ. Jesus rose three days after he died. If you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, then you cannot be a Christian. Okay, now this is one of those, the, these first two, you believe that Jesus died for you, you believe he rose from the dead, these are some of those things that are pretty, they are essential to be saved. Do you believe you're a sinner? Do you believe that Jesus died for you? Do you trust that he, he died and rose again for you? These are things that, that's the gospel, right? You believe the gospel to be saved. You have to trust the gospel to be saved. And so the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Christ uh, for your sin, okay? Um, but anyway, so if you do not believe in the resurrection of Christ, then you are not a Christian. I'm going to look down here in my notes and see. Yeah, I've got that here in a little bit, so I won't mention. I'll try not to mention that right now. But um, historically, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, you may ask this question. Who resurrected Jesus? The answer to that is Jesus. He resurrected himself. He got up under his own power. Because he's God. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but Jesus is God. So if you don't believe in the resurrection of Christ, then you don't believe a very essential belief of Christianity. Now, there are you might say, well, that's, that's obvious, but there are a group of people, there are many people out there who believe in the teachings of Jesus and say, well, I'm a Christian, okay? Well, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Yes, I believe Jesus died on the cross, okay? Well, do you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sin and paid for your sin with his blood and took on your penalty on the cross? Well, no, I don't believe that. I just believe he died. I, you, well, then you're not a Christian just because you believe in the teachings of Christ. You obviously don't believe in the teachings of Christ because he taught that he would die for sin. Um, well, I just believe in the moral teachings of Christ. Well, you're not a Christian any more than you are... Um, anyway, you, you, can't, you can't say that you are a Christian if you don't believe these essentials, even if you are just claiming to believe his teachings. Uh, well, do you believe in the resurrection of Christ? No, I don't believe he, he, he arose. I think that's a myth. But I'm a Christian. I believe I believe in God, and I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe all this. Well, you're not a Christian. Christi- to be a Christian, to 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 claim Christianity, these are essential beliefs. Jesus, these these beliefs are what define Christianity. So the penal substitution, substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ three days after he died. What about this one? The sin nature of man. Romans chapter 5. Let me go to Romans 5. I'm in Romans 3. Let me flip to Romans 5. Um, Romans 5, verse number 12, says this right here about the sin nature of man. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Death came into the world because of sin. 
and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Then the Bible goes on to say, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, well, it doesn't go on to say it. It says that in chapter 3, verse 23. But anyway, um, if you do not believe in the sin nature of man, then you can't believe in Christianity because that is a core doctrine of Christianity. We were born sinners. We were conceived in sin. We have a sin nature as men and women. Mankind has a sin nature. And if you don't believe in the sin nature of man, if you if you don't believe that we are fallen, then you can't believe, you can't consider yourself to be under the umbrella of Christianity. And if you, I'll say this, if you've never seen yourself as a sinner, you've never been saved, it doesn't matter what you say you believe. It doesn't matter if you believe that Jesus died on the cross. It doesn't matter if you, if you believe he died on the cross to pay for sin. It doesn't matter if you believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you've never seen yourself a sinner, you could not have accepted him as your Savior. You may even look at him as the Savior of humanity, the Savior of the human race. You may say that he came in and everything he did was to pay for sin. You may believe that. But if you've never seen yourself personally, never seen yourself a sinner, then you have never been saved. Because for you to look at yourself and go, I am a sinner, then now we see I need a savior. A person who's never seen themselves a sinner is a person who has never seen the, their need personally for a savior. So we are fallen. We are sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10. None of us are good. Our goodness, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are wicked in the eyes of God. But Jesus came and died on the cross. Thank God for that. But if you don't believe in the sin nature of man, then you are not, uh, you don't believe Christianity. Uh, the next one, number four, what about this? Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Let me get my Bible here and flip over to Ephesians chapter number two, verses eight. And number nine, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So Jesus saves through through our faith. We are saved by grace, by the grace of God. It is unmerited. We do nothing to deserve it. By grace, God saves us. Through our faith in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. His blood saves us. He saves us by grace and we are saved through our faith in him. Not of works. If you try to do it's by faith plus anything, that's not salvation. If you don't believe that salvation is by grace, if you believe that you have to work your way, then you're that's not Christianity. If you believe you have to believe and X, Y, or Z, uh, whether it be um, keeping any sort of commandments, whether it be doing the Eucharist, whether it be uh, going to Mass or whatever. Most most times, when I think of salvation being by, by faith and something else, I think of the Catholic Church. But a lot of times, here in Southern America... We see this a lot also even with people who claim 
to be Christians and would on the surface believe like me, they say, well, you know, I'm I'm just hoping I can do enough and I believe in Jesus, but I'm hoping I can do enough to, to go to heaven. Well, that's not the the that's not biblical salvation. You don't have to do your we, we, we can't do. Uh we understand that I can't do enough to be saved because the wages of what I would do is death. My righteousness is filthy rags, and the only way that I can be saved is not that I can earn it. It's by grace. I can't earn it. It's unmerited. It is unearned. Great. That's what grace means, unmerited favor, unearned favor. You cannot earn God's favor. God gives it. It's. It, it doesn't make any sense why God would want to die for me on a cross. It doesn't make any sense why God would want to shed his blood for me. It doesn't make any sense why God would want to redeem me because I'm a sinner. I was born that way. I was conceived as a sinner, right? The very moment I was conceived, I had sin nature. But God chose to die on a cross for me. And that salvation by grace through faith in Jesus only. It's not Jesus and. It's not faith and. It's not grace and. It's grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And it's always been faith alone. Abraham wasn't saved by works. Abraham was saved by faith. The Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham was saved by faith. I am saved by faith, by grace through faith. It's always been that way. It's always been salvation by grace through faith. Number five, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. There is not a mixture of 50, 50%, 50%, 45%, and so on and so forth. It is 100% God, 100% man. There are a lot of people who have a hard time with this. They don't. They can't understand that that Jesus is man and also God, and he's not 50-50, he's 100 and 100. Yes, Jesus is God. Yes, Jesus is man. He wasn't so much God that he didn't have a body, and he wasn't so much man that he was not God. He is both at the same time, both, 100%, lacking nothing, he is God. Lacking nothing, he is man. And if he is not man, he cannot die for man. And if in man's place, if he is not God, then his substitution is not infinite. And we, 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 we can't be saved. That's one thing I want to say. If Christ be not risen earlier, on number two, if Christ be not risen, we are of all men most miserable. So uh, Christ must be risen. He, he, he is alive. Uh, that's what gives our uh, belief system power. That's what gives our salvation power. We can't be saved if Christ be not risen. Anyway, so Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. Let me read to you some scripture on this. Philippians chapter number 2, um, verse number 6. Um, let, 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 me, let, me, let me go to number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it, not, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took on him a form of a servant, man, and, made him, uh, and was made in the likeness of men, 
And so, and being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Um, read another verse, and I'll read this verse here in a second again. But John 1, 1 says this, In the beginning was the Word. Well, in the beginning God created heaven and the earth. So in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning God, in the beginning was the Word. So the Word, we'll get that in a second. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. By who? The Word. We're talking about the Word. The Word is the subject of the sentence. Uh, the subject of this context. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. So, who is the Word? Jesus is the Word. And Jesus, being the Word, was in the beginning with God. And Jesus, being the Word, is God. And Jesus, who is God, created everything. And Jesus is the light of the world, because the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus is God. And then we see in Philippians, he, was, he took on the form of a man so that he could take our place on the cross. Speaking of, this rolls right into the next thing that, we're, that I'm wanting to talk about. Let me go ahead and read this verse again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Um, number six, the Godhead, or if you want to call it this, the Trinity. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The principle is there, but the word that the Bible uses for Trinity is Godhead. Let me read you 1 John Chapter number 5, verse number 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, that's God the Father. The Word, who's the Word? We just talked about this. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus and the, the Holy Ghost. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree in one. Um, if ye receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He believeth on the Son of God, hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And I could continue, but I won't for sake of time. So we Christianity, a core Christian belief is the idea of the Trinity. If you don't believe in the Trinity, if you don't believe in the Godhead, if you don't like the word Trinity, use the biblical word, use Godhead. Um let me let me look up I'm gonna have to look this scripture up. But um God exists in three persons Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Um he can separate himself. He is God, right? So he can do what he wants to. But there is a... Some people have a problem with God existing in three parts because they think, oh, you're preaching a polytheism. No, 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 no. I don't believe in three gods. I believe in one God. God is 
the Father. God is the Son. God is the Holy Ghost. He is all three. They all three are the same person. I don't understand it fully, but by faith I accept it. Beware, uh, Colossians chapter two, verse number eight. Beware lest any man spoil you, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him, in who, in Christ, in Him, because up in verse number six, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. We're talking about Jesus. Context matters. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead, bodily, bodily, right. And you're completing him, which is the head of all principality and power. And whom all... Um, again, I, I, I can continue reading, but I'll, I won't for sake of time. Uh, but yeah, so the Trinity is a core doctrine of Christianity. If you don't believe in the, in the Trinity, then you cannot consider yourself a Christian. Now, I will say this. To be saved, I didn't have to accept the fact that God is a Trinity... I didn't have to, you know, accept and repent and believe that God, uh, be- believe in the Godhead. I didn't understand that when I got saved. I didn't know that when I got saved. I just knew I was a sinner and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior because I trusted what he did on the cross. That's salvation. That's the gospel. But I'm saved and because that, I believe in the Godhead because the Bible teaches that. I believe in the Trinity. I didn't necessarily have to believe at the time that God was 100% man and 100% God. I knew when, when it was presented to me, hey, Jesus died on the cross for you. He, he, God sent his son. God came and died on the cross. I believe that. I believe that Jesus was God or is God. But I didn't understand the doctrine that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. At the time, all I'm worried about is... I'm lost. I need a savior. How do I get saved? Trust in Jesus and what he did on, what he did on the cross. But after I got saved and I'm being taught these things, I'm reading my Bible and I'm studying these things out, I see that these are core things. And if I have a hard time with these things and I don't believe these things, it's okay to to have a hard time with that that may be a, a bad way to put it. You may struggle in understanding, but you won't struggle in belief. Does that make sense? I don't have a hard time believing these things at all. I may have a hard time understanding them fully with my finite mind, but I do not understand. I do not have a hard time believing them. I trust the Lord Jesus fully. Um, lastly, the seventh thing that you must believe to be considered under the umbrella of Christianity. This is the seventh essential, and again, this is one that you don't have to believe the moment you get saved. This isn't a a, a, a a prerequisite for salvation, but it is something that you must believe if you call yourself a Christian. If you don't, then you need to check up on what you're calling Christianity. You need to check up on what you have called salvation uh, because this should not be a problem. The reason for that is all of these things are biblical, and if you believe the Bible enough to accept Jesus as your Savior, you should believe the Bible enough to accept these other um, essentials. So lastly, the, the, the last essential of Christianity is that Scripture is authoritative. It is the authoritative and inerrant, infallible Word of God. 
it is authoritative and it is inerrant, which means it has no error and it has no weak point. It's infallible, it's inerrant. And so I'm going to go to 2 Timothy chapter number 3, verse number 16. Well, I thought I was. Okay, there it is. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That man may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. But all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration of God in the, excuse me, in the Greek literally means God breathed. It's God God breathed it. God spoke it. Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God did not uh, verbally speak every single word in the Bible, but He gave it, He inspired it to man. And He gave it to Paul, who wrote down several books. He gave it to Luke, who wrote down Luke and Acts. He gave it to Matthew, who wrote down Matthew. He gave it to uh, Moses, who wrote down the first five books of the Bible, Jeremiah and Isaiah, and many times he gave it verbally. Many times he gave it uh, through angels. Many times he gave it through a vision to, to, to several men in the Bible. Now we have the Word of God. God doesn't speak through visions anymore. He doesn't speak through audible an audible voice anymore. He doesn't speak through dreams anymore. He doesn't speak through angels anymore. He speaks through his word. And experience a dream, a vision, a word from an angel can all be misconstrued. We even have scripture in the Bible that says if an angel, even if it's an angel comes and talks to you, you don't believe the angel. We, we the, the Bible's done. Uh, so that takes away the Mormon ideology right there. An angel supposedly went up to Joseph Smith and talked to him. Maybe he did talk to an angel, but maybe it was a fallen angel. Maybe it was a demon. So the Bible is infallible. The Bible is inerrant. The Bible is the authority of our lives. And that's how God speaks to us. God doesn't speak through an audible voice, voice anymore. He speaks through his Bible. And if he is going to talk to you, he is going to talk to you through his word. If what you believe is being told to you does not line, you, oh, God's speaking to me. He wants me to do this. He wants me to do that. If it doesn't line up with the Bible, it's not God saying it. God speaks to us through His Word, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is authoritative and it is inerrant. If you don't believe that the Bible is infallible, that it's inerrant, that it has no error, then why in the world would you believe that it's the authority? I don't believe... I, don't, I wouldn't want the authority of my life to be something that is messed up and broken and, and needs fixing. And if I believe that God's Word was had error in it, then that would mean, that would, that would only make sense that I would serve, that I believe that God could be in error, that God could have mistake, and that is not true. God doesn't have error. God doesn't, God doesn't make mistakes. So why would his word be that way? And it's becoming increasingly more and more and more and more popular to go, well, it's not, it, it's not perfect. It's not, it's, everything has an error. God's word doesn't. God's word doesn't. God doesn't have error. 
I may make mistakes. I may make mistakes when I quote it. I may make mistakes as I interpret it. But God's word is perfect. It has no error. It has no mistake. And it is the authority. I'm not the authority of Christianity. The, the pastor of my church, my dad, is not the authority on Christianity. Your pastor, whatever preacher you want to see on Facebook or TV or the radio or whatever podcast you want to listen to, they are not the authority. The authority of Christianity, the authority of this world, the authority of... The, the, the authority is... Is um, the Bible. So with that, there there they are the the seven uh, essentials: Jesus' penal substitutionary sacrifice, the resurrection of Christ, sin nature of man, salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Jesus being one hundred percent God and one hundred percent man, the Godhead or Trinity, whatever you want to call it, and the Scripture. Or the Bible is the authoritative and inerrant word of God. That is, those are the seven essentials. Seven of the essentials. Maybe you say there's more essentials, but those are seven of them. If you don't believe those, you are not under the umbrella of Christianity. doesn't matter what you say, what you think, what you believe. You must believe those. And, and four of those, at least four of those, are essential for salvation. So if you don't believe those top four, then you're not you're not saved. Uh, we need to have a conversation. We need to talk to you about uh, how you can accept Christ as your savior. Well, all right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, please again feel free to reach out to me and uh, on Facebook. Send me a message. Send me an uh, email on Facebook. I think I just said that. Send me a message on Facebook. Send me an email. PatriotPreachers at gmail Um, And I'd love to hear from you guys. I hope you have a great day and a great week. And I will see you next time. For the Patriotic Creatures, I'm Micah Farr.